And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. I'm excited to be joined today by Demetrius Curry, and his company is College Cash. We're going to be talking about how to overcome adversity. Uh, he's got a great story, and you know the mission of his company is doing some awesome things, so excited to talk about that today. Before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. Well, Demetrius, welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it. It's good to be here, man. Good to be here. Well, congrats on being one of our top startups from Dallas. Um, so we'll have a whole series on that for everybody that's listening. There's going to be a whole bunch of episodes about all the different companies in Dallas. So definitely check out all the other episodes if you want to hear what's going on in Dallas. Um, I guess you tell us, how is the uh, starter community there in Dallas? It's growing. Um, it, it's growing. Just Texas overall is like the whole ecosystem is just huge. But Dallas in particular, Dallas, and I'll do, because I don't want to irritate people here, I'll do Dallas slash Fort Worth because they're combined. Yeah. Both textings are really kind of really blowing up. You have so many different programs and good investors down here. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, like you have Capital Factory. Techstars has two different programs coming out of here. You have some really good VC firms, angel investors. No, it's pretty awesome. That's what we need. We need all of those things. And, and we need a lot of mentors and, um, you know, Startup Hustle, our podcast here is, you know, glad to be, you know, helping out uh, startup communities as well and shedding a light on, on companies like yours. So um, tell us, our, our goal today is to talk about overcoming adversity. And it's my understanding you went through a lot of adversity yourself. So you want to start by, tell, start by telling us your story? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe the short version of it. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. University, we got we, we got history together. So um, originally from Chicago, Southside, born and raised, uh, did a lot of dumb things as a kid, man. Like what you would expect to see kids from the Southside do. I did um, to the point that I dropped out of high school three months before graduation, went to the Marine Corps because it was actually a better choice than where my life was headed. Plus it was actually less dangerous than the things I was doing in Chicago. And so I uh, got out the Marines and just kind of wandered for a bit. I tell people, and I'm going to tell my age here, I wandered like Kane and Kung Fu, just kind of wandering around and eventually just decided to try to get my life on track. So got my GED, uh, attended college, and then ended up working in corporate America. My first real job was on Wall Street. And so it was really weird from there. But the adversity has always been there. Some self some self imposed and others just the way the world is. So you went you went to working on Wall Street. What were you doing on Wall Street? Yeah. So I started working for a brokerage uh, on Wall Street and it was originally just customer service. But then because the guy was just like, look, man, you ain't got no financial experience, but you were in the core. So at least I know you'll show up on time. True. I will. 
And so ended up going into financial services from there, worked on Madison Avenue and advertising, and then just kind of did, uh, I like to call it the banking circuit, different banks here and there, PNC, Huntington. Um, but yeah, corporate America, my background is finance and marketing and advertising. So, yeah. So let's talk about college cash. How did that lead you to start college cash? Oh, that's easy. Cause I work with at risk youth I always have, cause I consider myself an anomaly. Cause usually, you know, you, the whole high school dropout from the South side of Chicago story does not involve wall street, Madison Avenue. And yeah, that doesn't happen. So in the course of working with at risk youth and then just kind of being that person, everybody's like, Hey, my kid wants to, okay. I, part of my main narrative for them was go to college, leave your neighborhood, expand your vision, your viewpoint, change your life. It was cool. Then I started hearing everything about student loan debt. And it was just crazy because I, when I looked for resources to kind of guide people to, oh, there was nothing for for us. And when I say us, I mean, people with no money. Everything was basically put in the categories of like reorganization, reconsolidation, which is like shuffling a deck of cards, giving you 52 back. You still have the same number of cards. I didn't do anything to help you. Or it was companies that were geared towards if you have extra money and you spend it here, you'll get this benefit. Well, the environments I came from, people didn't have a whole bunch of disposable income. So as I like to tell people, nobody built anything for broke folks. So I did. All right. So, so tell us more. What what does College Cash do? Well, College Cash um, is a platform where users as early as freshman year of high school, so 13, can start engaging with companies and brands that are running user-generated content campaigns. We pretty much see them from all the brands like post your favorite picture of. The thing is, on both sides, you have the brands and companies that directly want to engage with that 13 to 24 demographic. It's the most coveted demographic for any kind of consumer facing brand on the planet that also covers high school and college. So we connect those brands with the users who can then post pictures inside of our platform to engage with those brands. And the result is they earn money that stacks and accumulates to offset their future student loan debt. So, you know, like we, we like to say, you can start saving for college before you even start college. And it's all based on everyday behavior. So this is a type of a UGC platform, right? Correct. And Correct. so for those who don't know what that stands for, that's user generated content. But that acronym has become really common over the last year or two. And, and honestly, I didn't even hear about it until recently because of uh, people. I like I like to use TikTok and people talk about doing this kind of stuff on TikTok, mm -hmm. right? And they make money creating UGC content. And of course, you've got these, you know, girls that are like repping makeup brands and all these different things, and they get paid to make the videos. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm gonna guess there might be some of that on college cash. But I guess there's probably a lot of other types of UGC stuff that uh, brands are, are wanting to pay to promote and they want their potential audience to, you know, try and get their friends and family to know about the products, right? True. And there's some differences because uh, I, I'm so glad you used that example of, you know, brands paying somebody on TikTok or, you know, uh, any of these other platforms. Only a small percentage of people who actually are on these platforms get any kind of compensation. Right. I felt that was unfair. So when the course of and I love how you said that, Matt, about the, what UGC is like for the audience. The easiest way to think of it is if you've ever posted a picture on anything, oh, we're on vacation on any of the platforms, that's user-generated content, anything you, you post. So 
we take that, but we went one step further. And I'll give you an example. Say a coffee brand is like, oh, post a picture of our Frappuccino. Okay, well, that's great. The problem is, what if you can't afford that Frappuccino that day or you're just a busy adult like us? Like, I'm not stopping just to do that. That misses out on a lot of the engagement that these brands could have gotten because you inadvertently created a financial barrier for your same target demographic. Same thing with any other brand. Athletic company posts a picture of this XY shoe. What if you love that brand? You just can't afford that shoe. Okay. So what we do is we actually change the narrative to make it where there's no financial barrier. So for ABC Coffee Company, instead of saying post a picture of our Frappuccino, it would be post a picture of your favorite coffee mug. Why? Because everybody has that in their cabinet. The athletic company, instead of saying post a picture of our shoe, it's post a picture of your favorite workout spot. And we're able to do that with every brand we work with because now you actually have more people that are actually engaging and posting pictures because there's no monetary requirement. So let's say instead of, you know, they can't afford to go buy, buy an expensive pair of Nikes or whatever to do this with, but they can they can do it at the gym. So but if Nike or somebody wants to sponsor that, then how do you how do you work that in? Like just by putting the branding, you know, their logos and stuff on the on the videos or the content or like how do you how do you still accomplish that? Well, so here's a dirty little secret of, of, of advertising and marketing. I'm going to share this and it may get me in trouble. When these companies and brands ask people to post pictures of their product, realistically, they don't need the picture of the product. And I'm, you said Nike. So Nike doesn't need a picture of you in their Air Maxes because they have a picture of their Air Maxes when they created the product. Right. So what they really want is engagement from users and brand awareness. So we provide that to them in a manner that now they get more. So whereas, say, 3,000 people might have engaged with the post a picture of your Air Maxes, now you may have five or 10,000 because guess what? You may love Nike, but you can't afford those Air Maxes right now. So it was easier for you to go ahead and post a picture of your favorite workout spot. So they still get the same engagement and it's still the same brand awareness because the money that's earned by the users came from, we'll say in this case, Nike or ABC Coffee House or you know XYZ Airlines. So you still get the brand awareness and the user engagement and the brands are still the beneficiaries of it. So tell us what are you know your this is a, a startup company so tell us about what kind of phase in the company are you, are you at with this have you guys done a lot of a lot of big campaigns are you guys still kind of earlier stage getting started kind of where are you at in the the life cycle as a, as a startup so we're real what you know they would consider early stage but we've managed to get some really great traction some really great partnerships in a short period of time because we're very unique in our in our market we're able to do something that most companies don't. So that adoption has been great. We've already managed to start working with Visa, Experian, um, the city of Chicago. Um, it, the list is growing. And so it's just been a great thing. We've actually started paying out our users already. They're already accumulating money. And we're currently in Techstars. So nice. what that has done is that's actually increased our visibility as well, which honestly, a lot of times for early stage companies, that's all we need is somebody to know we're there. So we've already started working and collaborating with MoneyGram, Stellar, and we have some other big players that are actually in the pipeline that I can't say right now, but they're big. So can you give us any specific use cases about a, a campaign that you helped do and, and uh, you know, teenagers oh, yeah. that helped do it, like any great story? 
No, absolutely. So while we were running some of our beta campaigns um, over the 2022, we run campaigns every quarter. I can tell you the most recent one that we just closed out for December ending 2022, we ended up paying out around 700 users. Okay. Uh, and they've all earned money towards their future student loan debt. And so that felt really good because that was you, that was actually paid out to users that just came into our platform organically. Like we haven't done any kind of marketing or advertising for users. So being able to see users accumulate in this case, I know for a fact there was a few users that now they have earned a total of all their campaigns already around $500, $600. Okay, nice. High school freshmen. So we're seeing impact. We're, we're definitely seeing impact. So when you when they use your platform and they earn these funds, are you actually paying them out directly to these these high school kids or do these funds get set aside for future college funds? That's what makes us unique, and I appreciate that question. Part of our unique appeal is the funds earned cannot be touched by our users until they enter the student loan repayment phase. By doing it that way, it doesn't interfere with their financial aid because we're looked at as sort of a consumer-based 529 program. So okay. it's very important that the users don't think, oh, well, you, I earned $50 from you know XYZ Coffee, I'm going to get it right now. No, the point of our platform is student loans. So the money actually continues to stack and accumulate. So they're able to see their balances grow and they're able to kind of know, which as we're growing, we're learning that that's going to provide an impact for that same freshman in three, four years when they're senior, they know the nest egg they have is going to actually help them make better decisions as far as what college or university to attend. Plus, the money isn't just for traditional four years. Anything that you take a student loan out for, pilot school, HVAC school, truck driving school, we're here for you. Okay. So in the meantime, do you invest that money in the stock market or something? Or what do you what do you what happens to those funds in the meantime? No, because I don't want to play with my users' money. One of the main things, and I guess I'll say hills that I die on, is I'm never going to charge my users. Our platform is completely free for our users. We don't take any money out of what they earn. And they sit in interest-bearing accounts. That's theirs too. Okay. So we don't invest it only because of the volatile nature of the market. Yeah, sure. And I don't want to play with their money. I mean, they're doing something trying to make their life better in the future, and I refuse to compromise that. So, give me. Can you give me an example on one of those campaigns? So, say my thirteen-year-old. Like, what would he have he had to have done to earn, like you said, five hundred dollars? Some of have made. Like, what what would he have actually had to have done? Oh, I can give you examples from the campaigns running right now, Matt. Yeah. So right now we have um, a campaign based around how do you like your pizza? So just post a picture of how you like your pizza, whether it's pineapples, mushrooms. I mean, we keep it simple. There's another campaign. Just post a picture of your favorite football team's jersey, your favorite game day pick. Um, posted it. That coffee mug example I gave earlier is actually mm -hmm. in a campaign going right now. Uh, we also have another campaign for uh, one of the companies that we're working with uh, Sparkles Dayton, which is just post a picture of your favorite date night location. Where's your favorite spot to go? So we keep them really simple. And those are exactly the things that people are doing already. If, you, if you're a fan of your local sports team, NBA, MLB, or NFL, you already have a game day picture. You've probably been to a game. You took a picture. You already have a jersey. These are things that we're allowing people to do because getting help shouldn't cost you. Trying to get out of future debt shouldn't put you more in debt. 
So that's kind of the basis of where we started everything from. So if, if for some reason these kids don't end up going to college, what happens to these funds? Well, in that particular case, Matt, we're actually happy to be able to say the funds can be used for any other debt class as well. See, I was one of those people that had debt with no degree because I went to college, but I didn't finish. Okay, you can go towards that. Or if you end up saying, hey, I didn't end up going to college, I still have an accumulation of, we'll say, $8,000. What can I use it for? Well, you can use it as a down payment on your car. You can have a slide in your check in the savings account, or you can have it be used to offset any other major debt class that's coming your way. So when we look at the focus of our platform is student loan debt, but realistically, life happens. You may not go because guess what? You got to take over the family business or you just decided college isn't for me. That money is still yours and it can be used toward any debt class you have. So we kind of preemptively reduce all forms of debt. Uh, This is awesome. I love it. So is this open today for like kind of open enrollment? Like, can can I get my teenager to sign up for this today or is it still kind of a limited scope or? Oh, no, absolutely. We're completely open. We are iOS, Android in uh, both both stores. And as long as as long as a user is at least 13 years old, freshman year of high school, good to go. Matter of fact, we have people on our platform in their 30s and 40s because they're using it to pay down their student loan debt currently. That's another thing I needed to mention. For high school and college students, you can't access to the repayment period. But if you're an adult that's already out of school, you can use our platform. And every quarter that you're earning money is money that you can have us directly pay towards the student loan companies because we take care of that part for you, too. It's all on our platform. So it's not just for high school students. It's also for adults. Oh, yeah. We're preemptive. But, hey, we're going to help you if you already have the debt, too, in the same manner. Because here's the thing. Look at the example I gave earlier for other companies that are out there. It's great. I'll use you, for example, Matt. If, say, you had a $20,000 student loan debt, okay, you should be able to help find ways to pay that down without having to go outside and spend extra money that you may not have. So that's what we provide. Awesome. That's awesome. So I saw a note here. Do you guys have some kind of partnership with Chime? That is correct. Uh, That is correct. Chime, we actually have a partnership with them in the manner that we help drive new users to them. If you look at the main things that you get first year of college, it's usually debt. And so you you really want to be really selective in the institutions that you can send that first time bank account holder to. So we partnered with Chime and that's part of our whole thing with Experian. Chime has a lot of great products to help protect credit, build credit. And for a first time bank account holder, especially like a college freshman, that was a really good fit for us versus the, the days when I went to school and probably you too, where that first week or so on the on the quad or campus, hey, open up a bank account with us and we'll give you a free Frisbee. Yeah, they can't do that anymore. So alternatively, let's use our platform to help direct people to good, valuable value ads that can help their financial health. So if I wanted to have my teenager do this, for example, does he have to have a certain size of social media like audience or what, is there any kind of requirement there? I love that you asked that. No, because I don't want to say we're an anti-social media platform. However, I didn't like that aspect either. That, oh, okay, so this person gets selected because they have a million followers on this platform. That's not fair to the average person. This is all about equitable access to the ability to offset debt. So 
our platform does not connect to external platforms. We're not a social media platform. The benefit of that is it doesn't matter if you have a million followers on, on, on IG or if you don't even have an IG, you have the same ability to earn as everybody else. So, but aren't they potentially posting on those other platforms or they're posting on your platform? No, we are completely self-contained. Everything that's posted, the campaigns run on our platform, the users post in our platform. And there's a reason for that. There's, there's two reasons, really. One was from a, well, I just didn't want to do it because certain platforms have a little bit better or worse data, data security. Let's just say they value user data more or less. Other thing is, if you look at it and let's use you, for example, if you have Matt's coffees, if a user posts on any other platform, that image doesn't even belong to them. It belongs to that platform. So why would you pay or compensate that user for an image that they don't even own? Because when you compensate them as the CEO of Matt's Coffees, those images are yours to use in your own advertising and marketing. So I couldn't ask a brand to pay Tommy for an image that Tommy posted on IG or Meta that doesn't even belong to him anymore. That was part one. Part two is the business side. Well, the money that the brands uh, give the users for the images that's an advertising write-off and completely deductible up under our advertising guidelines by the IRS, brand awareness and user engagement. Well, by me hosting these campaigns and doing everything internally, even the yearly subscription fees that brands pay me to host these is also deductible as an advertising expense because I'm looked at as an advertising platform. So by me keeping everything self-contained, I provided a great value proposition to these brands and companies as well as my users. Got it. Okay. Very cool. I do, I do want to take a minute to remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see where, uh, what developers are available to join your team today. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So what, where do you, uh, where do you see the future of this going? What What is the, the next step for you guys? Well, the next step is because, like I said, we're part of Techstars. We actually now have some really fantastic opportunities that are coming up that allow us to grow internationally. Our scaling is actually going to take us outside of just the domestic, you know, say United States, because student loan debt is not just an issue that's regulated here. We also we often look at it like that because it's such a major issue here. But other countries have student loan debt, too, even for their own native universities. Then also, if you look at international students, most people don't really factor them in because international students don't have student loan debt per se. However, somebody back at home in their home country has taken out a loan that's yeah. educational related. So now we're able to help not just domestic, but international students, students in other countries, even for their own native universities, once again, starting first year of secondary school. And the good part about that is a lot of these brands and companies that have the ability to run these uh, campaigns in my platform. Remember, we were discussing the, uh, the deductions for advertising. They're able to still get the same ones because they're all based here, no matter where they're running the campaigns at. So we're actually growing and scaling outside of the United States. Also, as I mentioned, that aspect of being able to affect other other debt classes has gotten us some really good conversations and some things in the pipeline, such as being able to be used for people with IDA accounts 
to use my platform as a way to earn money for their down payment on their first home through a lot of community banks and the IDA program. Once again, most of the people who qualify for it, the problem is they don't have disposable income to go ahead and put in the account for people to be able to match. So there's some really good opportunities in the, in the pipeline. But right now, short term, we're scaling um, not just outside the United States. Uh, that includes Indonesia, Latin America, Africa, and Europe. Wow. And so do you credit a lot of that to Techstars and like connections they helped you with? or? I, You know what? Techstars definitely helped with the signal effect um, just because the I'm sure you know and probably all your audience knows there's a signal effect with getting into a program like yeah. that. It's almost like a stamp of, okay, this has some wheels. However, I've, been a, I've also gone through some other really good programs such as Village Capital, Tampa Bay Wave, um, and just visibility being seen as South by Southwest. I won the speed pitch for social and culture last year at South by Southwest. Nice. I won the, I won the Visa FinTech um, event in New, in New York in November. All of these things combined, plus it goes back to overcoming adversity. Having not had the, I don't want to say benefit, but the trajectory that sent me through undergrad and then getting an MBA and then maybe being an ex-Googler, ex-Meta, the things that give you that ready access to certain conversations and rooms when you want to grow a company, when you realize that you're not going to get that, you have to make it happen how you can. There's a saying from a really good movie, uh, Artemis Hotel, that goes, play the cards you're dealt, not the ones you wish for. And that's what I do. But it also means that I've done things that are completely backwards in some sense, such as I built a platform for people with no money and didn't make them the product. You know, so the desire to help keeps me going. So I kick in doors. I ask for meetings. I scour LinkedIn. So all of that combined with the good visibility from these programs and a really good group of investors, both VCs and angels, has gotten us to where we are. So yeah, I'm going to credit everybody, honestly. I like the hustle. You got to. And you, got, you got to. That's, you know, and you, with the whole startup hustle, no pun intended, that's what you have to do. You have to hustle, you know, because if you don't, it's not the it's not like some of the narratives like hustle 24 seven. I mean, no, you shouldn't because you're going to burn out. I'm a basically a solo founder. And so you have to hustle, but hustle in a smart manner. You have to be strategic. You have to um, not be scared because at a certain point you realize you have nothing to lose. If I if I go into a meeting that I asked for and they say no, well, cool. That was the same no I had before I asked for the meeting. So what did I really lose? I love that. You have nothing to lose. I'm writing this down here. You have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm going to quote this one later. Well, I mean, no, I, but it's true. I mean, what's yeah. the worst thing that happened? Is that you, I mean, you, there's so many things that go into overcoming adversity to becoming a founder to even going through a C to a point where your company valuation has like commas in it. Part of that is you got to learn how to do a few things. One, tune out certain people and voices. And everybody hears that like, oh, like one of the most common things people say is, oh, if they don't support me, they're just hating on me. No, no, it's not a matter of they hate on you. That's a simple way to put it. Maybe they just don't understand your vision. And maybe some of them really care about your well-being. Case in point. When I left a good job to do this, everybody's like, man, you crazy. And my family, some, even some of my family was like, man, are you sure you, well, it wasn't they were hating on what I was doing. They just didn't want me to be that starving artist, starving startup person. 
Okay, I can respect that. And then other people were like, man, I don't know. Well, you may not see what I see. Just like, you know, if you if any of your listeners just, you know, do a simple experiment, get three of your friends, look out a window and ask everybody to tell you the first thing they see. Guaranteed, they're all going to say something different. Why? Because everybody's view is based on their own personal biases, things they've been through. And you can't look at that as hate if they don't support you. All right, cool. I'll just, you know, keep you at a distance. You know, I may not talk about my business, but I'm going to keep doing it. And then the most important voice you got to go ahead and shut out is your own. See, that's kind of that's the one people have a problem with. Once you can learn to tell your own voice to shut up, you're good. Because that voice, when you want to do something that hasn't been done, oh, man, you know, you don't have that degree. You don't have that background in that in that field. You remember back in sixth grade when you when you did that? That's the voice that knows everything you've ever done. And that's what comes up to make you doubt everything you want to do. The problem is so hard for people to not realize that they should tell it to shut up is because it sounds like you and it knows everything you've ever done. So I tell people and even some of the other startups and founders that I mentor, hey, look, like, for example, Matt, your name is Matt. If somebody ran in a room and said, hey, Dave, you wouldn't turn around because it's not you. You wouldn't even think about it. So why respond to the voice in your head that you know is completely counterproductive to everything you're trying to accomplish? That's the first voice you got to tell, shut up. Yeah, we are we are not just the thoughts in our head. <laughs> Facts. And here's the thing. The more time that people focus on those, the less time they can actually make things happen. Like, you know, I had no background in student loan debt. I mean, I have some background in advertising marketing, but this was entirely new. So we're talking about coming home from a job, staying up, studying everything, Googling. Hey, knowledge is free in some cases. Learning everything about it while I'm still hearing that, well, you know, that didn't work out for you or this didn't work out for you. Eventually you just got to go, yeah, that's cool. But this time it will. I love it, man. I mean, how, I, I mean, do you feel like your adversity growing up has really given you the drive to, to work hard and succeed had a big impact on you? Damn straight, man. And I hate to put it like that, but it's our superpower. Anybody that's ever created anything that came through adversity the problem is we're often taught to hide it, not embrace it. Oh, I was homeless. I was a high school dropout. I was, uh, uh, you know what? Yeah, use that. Let me give you an example. Somebody asked, well, you know, in the early days, did you read The Lean Startup? Mm-hmm. Not fan. I hadn't fan. And they were like, why not? I was like, because I've been homeless. I know how to make $50 stretch for a whole week. You can't tell anybody who's ever been homeless or underemployed or unemployed anything about being lean. You can you can tweak it toward a business. But as far as the concept of being lean, we already know how to do it. I mean, it's the same thing, just like, you know, strategy zero to one. I mean, these are all great books at a certain point. But when you're just starting out, you know, hey, you know what? Art of War, 48 Laws of Power, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I mean, those were great books for me in the beginning because of the background, because of the adversity. But it also means for like even any of your listeners who've gone through stuff like that, embrace it. You made it through everything. I love to tell people every day that you used to say, man, this is the the worst day ever. I'm never going to make it through it. Here you are. You made it through it. So guess what? You're batting a thousand. Use that as your superpower. I've known more founders that go through some adversity in their life. And I mean, real adversity, not some of this other kind of adversity. I'm talking about real adversity, like, 
you know, you've been homeless. You had your utilities cut off. You've had to give food from a food pantry. I mean, hell, I sold plasma to pay a hosting fee at one point. Here's the thing. When you go through that, it makes you a better founder, a better CEO, because when things get hard, you don't fold. You don't fold. Oh my God, I'm down to my last thousand in my in my checking account. I've heard some, I've heard a founder say that and they started panicking, like I'm down to my last thousand. Meanwhile, some of us who are like technically underserved founders are going through that and be like, oh damn, you got a thousand in your checking account? You have more <laughs> than that? Like that, what's that like? Yeah. You know, I mortgage I mortgage my house and maxed my credit cards out to start my first company. Oh damn, you had a house? You had credit cards? Bruh, what's that life like? But here's the thing, when things go hard people who had to do it the hard way, we don't fold. I like it. You know, and I, and I imagine your investors like that too. You know, they do. And it's kind of funny because in the beginning, especially for like pre-seed seed stage companies, everybody needs to remember your investors, angel, institutional. You say I can speak freely on here, right? Absolutely. Your business model doesn't mean shit. Let's just be real. The idea, shit, what are they betting on? You. They're betting on you. They're betting on your team. I'm a solo founder, so I ain't really have a team, but they were betting on me. What's your passion? Is your passion shown? So, yeah, my investors like it because I embrace everything I've gone through, and I use it almost as a superpower. I mean, and if if when you're starting a company, you have to be like that. You have to let your investors and people see you. And if you've been through some rough stuff, but you're still here, damn it, say it. Because they're going to have a lot more respect for that than somebody who's never been through anything. So the first scrape on their knee, they're going to be like, you know, family guy, Peter Griffin on the sidewalk. Ah, ah. No, you want somebody who's going to be like, man, I fell. All right, cool. Shake it off. Walk it off. Throw some dirt on it. I mean, just keep going. I love it, man. I I didn't have quite the same adversity as you. I had my own my own version of it. But I grew up extremely poor. I lived with my grandparents. Had no money for clothes for school. You know all that kind of stuff. And um, but uh, my dad was a hard worker, and I, my dad raised me, and um, it instilled like a a major work ethic into me for sure, and a major drive to like achieve and do things. And you know, I, I was never homeless. I was you know never never quite to that level, but but was very poor. Um, but it, it definitely Im- impacted me and, and created that work ethic for me that I can definitely relate to. No, absolutely. And here's the thing. Adversity is adversity. And, and, and it's so funny because, you know, for for what I went through, like you were saying, like my adversity, your adversity wasn't mine. Somebody else could look at you and go, hey, your adversity wasn't mine. Like I thought I had it bad. The interesting thing is we've all pulled something from those experiences that go into what we do. And so, and how we move and how we operate, I was able to build a company because I understood what it was like to want to do better, but be broke. So building a company for people with no money and realizing how to leverage everyday behavior is because I looked around and saw certain things such as for the most part, the reason we chose, chose, I chose everyday behavior, starting with user generated content is if you look at some, even some of the most underserved financially financial communities in the country large metro areas and things like this even in some of the worst families you know what they still have cell phones social media and a gaming system yep because if nothing else that's their escape 
So let's start there. I wanted to start at the lowest common denominator of what I could use to help everybody. The problem is when you come out of different backgrounds, people aren't able to build things like that because they don't see it. They never experienced it. So that's why I say for anybody looking to start a company or just starting one, believe in yourself, understand that you see a problem from different eyes than other people. Do you think, do you think that people have, that have overcome extreme adversity are a lot more fearless? Gotta be. I mean, you, you gotta be because it just comes inherently with certain things, such as using the same example. Oh man, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I gotta do this because my light's gonna get cut off. Guess what? My light's been cut off before, so that's not really something for me to worry about. Doesn't scare me. Right. You know, I know how to move around in that. So you be, but you also realize that you've made it through probably worse stuff. Yeah. I mean, so there's no reason to be scared of somebody telling you no. Are you about to, are they about to take you in the alley out back and beat you? No. So guess what? Open your mouth, ask for what you want. Don't be scared to build something because most times you've gone through adversity. You've had some pretty bad um, reactions to things and choices you made. Lights cut off, water cut off, evictions, cars repossessed, you know, not eating. I mean, yeah. you go do stuff like that. Yeah, you're ready. You're ready to be a founder. I mean, no disrespect to those that come up in different paths, but if you've gone through adversity, not only are you fearless, you look at things from a more realistic "I can make this work" standpoint. I was, I think it was on LinkedIn recently. I saw somebody they were talking about like one of the number one traits of successful entrepreneurs that was related to this, and their version of it was fierceness. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's similar kind of concept, right? Like to survive that adversity, you just have to become very fierce, very bold. You know, you, you got to build up a lot of confidence, you become fearless, like all, all of those things, right? To overcome this adversity, if you're going to survive it, if you're going to survive that adversity, otherwise you just like fall over and you're like, you know, give up to all of it. But if, no. if you're going to overcome all of it, it really, you know, makes, you know, really instills in your, your personality, a lot of these traits that are great yes. traits to be an entrepreneur later. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, not only is that fierceness, <clears throat> but also hunger. Because you're usually, when you come from adverse situations and backgrounds and you start a company or you go into business, it's usually to affect change in your family on some level. It's, effect, it's to affect generational wealth, change the, change the trajectory of your family, your parents, your kids, you know, your cousins. And that creates a hunger and a passion that you can't replicate just because, ooh, I saw a cool concept and, you know, I think I'm going to try it with a couple of my buddies and build, you know, this for this, you know. And there's a difference in that passion because you know why you're doing it. That why is so important. And it's like, I, I have a, um, <laughs> I have a sweatshirt that I made that actually says, I don't hope I hustle. Ah, I love it. Uh, dang. Maybe that should be the official, uh, motto of the startup hustle podcast. I like it. <laughs> I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what, Matt, I'll send, I'll send you one. I'll send you one. I love it. That's awesome. Well, um, I've really enjoyed this this conversation today and and your story and about overcoming adversity and excited to continue to see what you guys do and and helping other um, high school students and other people you know make more money for college and all that I think it's a it's an excellent cause and 
I'll have to check this out for my own teenager as well. Oh, absolutely. Feel free to hit me up. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate um, being selected as one of the top Dallas startups for 2023. You know, these are all things that just kind of back up the mission of what we're doing. So yeah. this is much appreciated. And I definitely enjoyed the conversation as well, Matt. And I'm still going to send you that sweatshirt. So I got you. <laughs> Well, as, as we wrap this up, I do want to remind everybody, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, let our platform match you up with a, a team of fully vetted, highly experienced individuals. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at FullScale.io. So on our way out here, um, Demetrius, are you a first-time founder? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as a first time founder who's going through this, going through tech stars, all this kind of stuff, any any final words of wisdom for for those that are listening? Yeah, absolutely. So two sided for those who are either starting a company, thinking about starting a company, just fucking do it. I hate to say it like that. Just do it. Don't let nobody, including yourself, talk you out of it. If you see that there's a like, man, I wish somebody would. OK, if they didn't, you do it. Just that's part one. Run through walls for it and always be yourself. For the other side of the people who may be listening, such as investors, corporate partners, here's the thing. Um, do better at reaching out to underserved founders. Um, you know, most of the time, one or two good partners or one or two really good investors. I mean, we're not we're we're all different. And so sometimes I would say for them, take a look at the founders road traveled, so to speak. Their road traveled is their CV. Hold that with the same weight that you would hold people saying, "Ooh, I'm an X this or X that. That's all I ask. All right, man. Well, love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this is Demetrius Curry. His company is College Cash. Um, you can check them out. And, and if you've got some uh, some students out there thinking about going to college, I'm sure they can make a few dollars with the platform. So. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, my pleasure, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.